0: Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz drummer Akira Tana. We caught up with him on May 6, 2020, during the early phases of the COVID-19 lockdown to talk about what has been going on and his life in music. He was born and raised in California and earned degrees from Harvard University and the New England Conservatory of Music. He's gigged with legends like Sonny Rollins, Sonny Zoot Stims, Hubert Laws, and the list goes on and on. He co-led a quintet with bassist Rufus Reed called Tana Reed. This is a cat full of rich stories and insights. Enjoy.
1: Well, man, thank you for taking some time out today. I guess I just wanted to kind of catch up about your life and music and start out with initially, what uh, what are you doing to kind of fulfill your creative id during this world shutdown that we're going through?
2: Oh, yeah. I'm I'm uh, creating commentary for Netflix and Amazon Prime and, and Hulu, you know, and Apple TV and Kind of posting it on my own blog, which I only see myself reading. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you know, um, actually, actually, I've been this year, this past year, I've been teaching at, at the San Francisco Conservatory of Music, uh, a jazz program that they had started maybe about two, three years ago, uh, and so I've been teaching there. So, of course, all my live performances, uh, you know, since March, just like with everybody else in the world, have been put on hold the canceled and my stuff is canceled all the way through August so far so you know it's pretty frightening and it's kind of of course you know everyone says it's new normal and stuff but I mean this is going to be it's, it's going to be like restrictions on musicians being together and sharing music with, with each other and also with the audiences I mean it's, it's pretty frightening I mean the, just the isolation I mean how can you of course go solo instrumentalists and, and, and instruments that that can be played in a solo way, man, it's it's depressing. <laughs> so yeah, you know. Um, so I, you know, as far as what I'm doing, I'm just just trying to take it in stride, and uh, you know, just maybe working on writing music more. I mean, uh, of course, I have to kind of uh, return and kind of reinvent all this electronic. Like, MIDI stuff and keyboard stuff to do writing, which I used to do, uh, and I used to be very busy doing that up until a certain time. And then, you know, some producing projects and recording projects came up, and I kind of went away from that. So, you know, I'm I'm trying to take advantage of this time to to actually maybe kind of ramp up my interest in in, in doing that. So it's coming along slowly. <laughs> it's hard, you know. It's not yeah. like you can just flip the switch and say, okay. This is what I'm going to do now. It's something you have to. It's not. You kind of have to you kind know, of feel the inspiration, uh, and so I'm, I'm I'm kind of slowly getting to that point. So that's basically. And also, you know, I've always wanted do, uh, an excuse to be at home, not go anywhere and do nothing. So I'm happy about that.
1: <laughs> no, well, I think there's a lot of people that do have been wanting to have some, you know, downtime, and I think they've realized that there's a lot of benefits to it. Um, yeah, you know, one thing I do
2: not miss, you know, as far as working and traveling is that I don't miss the traveling. And I don't, and as far as working locally around the Bay Area, uh, you know, I do not miss the driving. I mean, it's like, that's one one aspect of it I, it I, I, I don't miss at all. Uh, because, you know, the, after you've been, you know, doing this kind of work for, for, a number of years of traveling, including flying and stuff like that. it's It gets to be pretty wearing. And you don't realize how, you know, how wearing it is on yourself and on your psyche until you don't have to do it for a while, <laughs> you know.
1: So that I, I don't miss. Yeah, without a doubt. So talk to me a little bit about your beginnings in jazz. How did all this start for you? How
2: long is this interview?
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> It actually, it actually
2: goes back to when I was a youth. Um and my older brothers, and going to Palo Alto, were actually big music fans. And my oldest brother's a big jazz fan, and he used to have these LPs of like MJQ, uh, Lionel Hampton, uh, and people like that. And, and so he, I used to hear this music, and he's, he and his, another brother used to take me to these concerts at the uh, Frost Amphitheater in in Stanford, Stanford University where, and I got a chance to hear like, you know, Louis Armstrong and Ella Fitzgerald and, and, uh, people like that when I was like, maybe like 10, 10 or 11. And so, you know, it's not that I grew up like, like, uh, in a jazz family, for example, like, you know, like, like the Marcellus family or anything like that. But, but, um, but I was exposed to the music and, and, uh, you know, just like probably more so than a lot of kids, uh, unless we have someone in the family, you know, who's into the music. So, you know, from an early age, I was exposed to it and and the interest actually grew more, um, more intense and and varied as I got older. And as I started playing music on, on, you know, on the drums and, you know, just like, you know, like in junior high school, like in seventh, eighth, ninth grade, ninth grade, I mean, I used to play in, in rock and roll and, and R and B bands for dances. Uh, and then got interested in, in jazz and kind of took it on from there, but it was had a little hiatus because I was in sports. And so I, was, in, you know, played like high school athletics, like football and basketball and baseball, which I now physically pay the price for, but you know, the music has always been a part of my life. And, um, and, and fortunately, I've been able to to kind of uh, be involved professionally uh, for a long time. So I feel fortunate about that because it, you realize how 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 difficult it is to um, sustain anything in this in this art form. So I do that I could go into more detail, yep. but I don't want to.
1: No, be- no, no, no. <laughs> no. That's good. That's great. No, what do you like best about being a musician? To the drugs, the women.
2: <laughs> uh, to, uh <laughs> no, Typical no, answers just, <laughs> um, I don't know I, I, it's, First of all I think I'm just still Fortunate you know to be able to be Doing something that I f- have felt Passionate about Ever since I was young uh, And it's always been part of me Although I've, you know it, it has taken some detours You know for, for school and, and whatever reasons but so I I think what I really enjoy about it is the, the the freedom to be able to especially in this music you know to express yourself uh, creatively uh, and spontaneously you know I mean it, and so that's what I really enjoy about it I and mean, it changes from from each performance uh, to to each performance and it can be frustrating sometimes because you make it. something may have happened to you. It happens in life also, you know. Something great happened on one occasion and and you want to kind of recreate that feeling and expression and kind of put it in a bottle and kind of be able to use it any time you want. And that doesn't happen, you know, because the next time you play, it may not be the greatest experience. But, I mean, just, you know, just kind of hoping that, you know, for, for the special time that it happens, will come again is is kind of keeps you here. It's like golf, you know, you you score like, you know, you have a couple of birdies in one round, but you score. Okay. And then the next day you're, you know, terrible, but those good moments actually keep bringing you back.
1: So that's kind of how I feel about music. What was the first live jazz show that you ever saw that made you think that this is what you want to do? The first jazz shows that I
2: do uh, were, um, um, actually not great ones. Um, Like, uh, and they were actually uh, in the form of some kind of rejection that that kind of made me want to improve. And, uh, I mean, when I was open in in Palo Alto and I was back home in, in the summertime from schools and I was really into playing drums and like trying to play jazz but not really knowing what it took to learn how to play jazz but I like to play the drums and emulate certain players and stuff like that. So, um, there was a band called The Fourth Way in San Francisco in the 70s, uh, led by Mike Knock, drummer Eddie Marshall, uh, Michael White. It's actually kind of a precursor to like Weather Report because they were doing electric music and more fusion stuff. Anyways, Mike and his trio with uh, Ron McClure and Eddie Marshall, the drummer i had, had a gig in Palo Alto, and so I, I, I went to see them. And Eddie Marshall didn't show up. And so, as a kind of as off-the-cuff joke, like Mike Noffek was a drummer in the house. And so, of course, I said, "Yeah, I'm a drummer." And face "Well, do you have your stuff with you?" And of course, I have my drums in the car. Uh, <laughs> So I went, set them up, and played. But you know, I had no idea about. What it took to actually be able to get on stage and play with those guys because I was basically going by emotion and ear and just kind of bashing away. And, 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 uh, so they said, okay, let's play. So they played a blues. And yeah, I was, yeah, like Mike Knox in his trio and the drummer didn't show up, Eddie Marshall. So I played. Of course, I didn't know anything about, you know, what it required to actually know how to learn to play this music. And so, uh And the truth came out very quickly until they asked me to leave the bandstand. And that was pretty embarrassing, you know, in front of audience thinking, oh, man, this is a great time. People get to hear me. I get to play music. And that was a negative thing that happened to me. But for some reason, it kind of kicked in this desire to actually study this music. And and and, and so, yeah, I mean, that was a, probably one of the one of the uh, most important things that happened to me and I remember, I can remember everything about it um, and this was like almost 50 years ago, right? So, um, but in general though, I think, uh, you know, being able to play this music um, and play eventually with people that were also learning it was very inspiring but that was probably an experience that I'll never forget that kind of spurred me on. Is that, Answer your question?
1: (laughs) Yep, absolutely it does. So I want to know from you what we're going to get back to live music one way or another. Okay. Um, Okay. You know, both the audience and the musician. What do you hope we learn from this time away?
2: It's like sometimes you don't really appreciate what you have or what we have until it's taken away from us globally. I mean, we've come to the point where we take everything for, for granted. You know our lives, all the things that we have, and this pandemic and being away from everything kind of kind of gives you a a chance to kind of ruminate and think about, you know, what we had. How are we going to get back to that if we can at all the way it was? Um, And so musically, you know, like like, kind of realize how fortunate we've been to be able to. Play music and 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 share it with an audience, and play festivals where it's like not very much social distancing happening, you know. And it's like, well, what's going to happen? You know, how are we gonna, how are we going to get back to any semblance of normalcy? You know, so so, um, but so those kinds of things I, I I think about, like like having performances canceled all the way through August for me, and I'm supposed to bring a group to the Monterey Jazz Festival. In September, end of September, and I was supposed to do some international traveling. I was "Wow, is that going to happen? How are they going to? You know, what are they going to do? I guess they have to get to a certain stage four or something of 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 the you know the process of of opening up businesses and, and cities and stuff like that." So it's
1: it's kind of scary. It is scary. The whole thing is, man. Um, yeah. So I want to know from you. Uh, you know, everyone has their perception of who you are, your family, your friends, and your fan base, but who do you think you are? Um, <laughs> well, you have some tough questions,
2: Joe. <laughs> 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 well, that's what. That's good. Well, um, I don't know. I guess I just consider myself a, a fortunate individual to have carved some kind of career out of doing something that I love doing over the years and and i know that that it's a difficult thing to do and then and especially with with having uh students you know uh young students and 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 trying to imagine you know what kinds of things that they're going to have to go through coming up in the years ahead in terms of how they're going to navigate the realities of being an artist um so I just kind of feel myself as very fortunate. I remember when I was going to music school, you know, and and hanging out with Jackie Byard, and he was talking about how, you know, maybe five percent of music students in any genre will end up making a living performing music. You know, of course, there's teaching and there's all different aspects of of the industry that people can get into, but he was just saying how how difficult it is and i don't know if he was discouraging me or not but he was just talking about the realities of it and so that's that's an experience that i'll never forget having this conversation with him um but but you know i just kind of feel like like i feel fortunate that i can have had the career that i've had thus far and it and it could any time it could end any time uh and it's hard to sustain i remember um My friend Billy Hart was telling me, you know, that you know you can get a certain uh, a a level of performance and playing, but the but the challenge to make it over a career is is the most difficult thing. You know, to sustain what you've been doing. So so it's been a challenge. And you think about well, how how do you do that? How you know do you keep creating and have an audience for it and stuff like that and you know the, so that's basically how I feel about it I'm fortunate and 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 have been able to sustain something because as small as it may be in terms of the entire industry uh, you know I feel fortunate so that's kind of, that's who I am as a drummer and a jazz musician and as an artist um, and it may not you know it could end any time I mean it could have ended in
1: March with all this right this one's performance so no that's great that's great you, you've done wonderful man thank you for opening up about your your life and music this COVID-19 world and beyond I really appreciate it
0: I'll check your shows out Joe thank you thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview where we give you a bit of insight into the finest cats in California Missouri and spots all over America giving fans all that jazz and thanks to Akira for his cool time and music if you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe DiMino in the iTunes Store. Visit NeonJazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the NeonJazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon
2: Jazz.